I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey friends, and welcome back to the pod. This is Queenie and Pablo. And today we will be going through 10 ways that we can fight inflation. Are you ready to fight inflation, Pablo? I've got my gloves on. I'm ready to fight. (laughs) You're jumping in the boxing ring. You're ready to go. Ready to go. Round one. (laughs) Just remember that anything that we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and doesn't constitute personal financial advice. You can read our full financial services guide in the description. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our land and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. We celebrate and respect the diversity of our communities. Money win. So Pablo, this week, what is your money win? My money win is actually I sold my drone. You sold your drone? Why did you sell your drone? Well, I had it, you know, for like a couple of years now. We bought it back in China. You know, I thought I would use it more than I actually do. So it was maybe a year, two years in like a drawer that I never even opened. So I was like, need to make some money, you know, check what was around. I saw the drone was there and I did not use it. So I was like, I'm going to put it on Marketplace. Took a couple of photos, got some interest, and within a week, it was sold. $350. Very nice. And that's not easy to do because I think a lot of us, we hold on to things that we don't use because I guess we feel bad if, we, if we're not using it. You know, we kind of feel guilty, but that's great that you were able to sell it and, you know, just get rid of something you don't use. Yeah, I guess it's some cost policy, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to use it later, and then you never do. Exactly. And now somebody else will use it. 100%, you know, it was the guy from Indonesia, actually, a student here. He was ready to use it. I can see it. Oh, that's awesome. That's really nice. And $350, that's really good. Yeah. What's your money win, Queenie? So my money win is that it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago and I saw my grandma and my auntie and I got $200 as a birthday gift. So that's really cool. $200 is a lot of money, you know. What are you going to do with it? What I'm going to do with it is half I'm going to spend and half I'm going to invest. And we're actually starting this little segment and we're going to share exactly how much will be in our investing portfolio just based on loose change and items that we sell and gifts that we receive. So this is the first episode of this segment. This brings our total investing account total to $275 for half of the drone proceeds and half of my birthday gift. So make sure you're following this podcast to see how this investing account grows with compound interest. Nice. That's a really good start. $275. I know, right? Just from money that we weren't expecting to receive. So it's really cool. Yeah. And I think it's good, you know, to as well use that money and spend it and some of it, because obviously you want to save and invest and pay yourself of the future, but you also want to enjoy life. Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to also be saving half of it in a separate bank account. And then at the end of the year, we can choose what we want to do with that money. We could spend some of it, gift some of it, donate some of it. The options are endless, so it's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so the first way to fight inflation is to invest. Investing in shares tends to beat inflation over the long term. 
And there's this really cool graph and stat from Vanguard called the 2022 Vanguard Index Chart. And we've put a link to it down in the show notes below. But this is really, really interesting to see the effects of compound interest over time. So basically, if you were to invest $10,000 into US shares 30 years ago, do you know how much money you would have today? Tell me. $182,376. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, right? $10,000? That is so much money, right? Yeah. And do you know how much money you would have if you invested $10,000 in Australian shares 30 years ago? Tell me. $131,413. Wow. I'm impressed. Right? Right? But I don't have $10,000. Like, oh, for people listening who don't have $10,000 to get started investing, what, what's the best way they can get started? So nowadays, there are really cool apps where you can actually get started investing with $5. And some of the ones that we use are Raise, the Spaceship, Perla is, also has a micro-investing option. There are so many ways that you can get started investing with $5. Oh, and also sharesies as well. We also want to share on this podcast. That's why we set up this spare change portfolio that you can actually grow a portfolio even if you don't have a lot of money to get started investing. Because I think investing can be quite daunting when you see people with so much money investing so much money. It seems like you can never get started. So that's why we wanted to start this segment and just show that, you know, little bits of money that we save here and there with our money hacks, we can actually use that to build a portfolio. Do you have any example of what it looks like to invest, like, let's say, $100 every month for 30 years? Yeah, this is where it gets really, really interesting. So I think a lot of people think, and I certainly did, that if you don't have a lot of money to invest, like what's the point, you know? Like there's no point in investing if you don't have a lot of money. But there's this really, really cool stat. So if you invest $100 every month for 30 years with an 8% annual return, after 30 years, it would be worth $149,000. And the amount that you've contributed is only $36,000, So the $113,000 that you've accumulated is just interest. It's basically your money making money because in the first year, you make an 8% return. But then that whole 108% gets compounded over time. So essentially, you just keep on making more money and your money keeps on making more money for you. And that's why people say that investing is your money working for you because it essentially does because of the power of compound interest. Yeah, and that's why investing is a great way to beat inflation. Obviously, every year's inflation, maybe it's 2%. Now it's much more, like 5 6%. With investing, you know, the returns are showing that we have like 8 to 10% returns. Not every year is positive, obviously, but over 30, 50, 100 years, then you average to a positive return. And if you would like to get started investing yourself, we have created a completely free cheat sheet, which you can download in the show notes below. What's in the cheat sheet, Quinny? So we have a list of different investing apps and different brokers, the fees that they charge and different features that you can use within the app. And then we also have some more information about different options that you can use to invest in. So different asset classes, all general advice only. But yeah, I think it's a good way to get started. Nice. So friends, if you want to get started investing, you can download the cheat sheet for free in the description. That's right. That's right. So what's the next point, Pablo? Round two, emergency fund. And what is an emergency fund? 
Well, basically, it's a three to six months living expensive saved in a bank account or like in a liquid asset, so you have it ready to spend in case of an emergency. And why would you need an emergency fund? So it can be any emergency, you know, it can be like a water leak, it can be uh, getting fired, it can be like a medical bill, it can be any type of emergency. You have to go travel to see someone, you know, it can be any type of emergency and you want to always have cash on hands ready based on your living expenses, three, six months, some people even have 12 months based on the economy nowadays, but that's to be sure of, you know, always have something to rely on because the thing with investing is good to have money there. But if you have your money invested and the stock market is done, it's probably not the best time to take your money out because investing is for the long term and not like short term. So you always want to have liquid cash on hands and that's why we recommend to have an emergency fund from three to six months. That's right. Very well said. Very well said, especially in today's climate. And I know three to six months is a lot of money, but you could always just start with $1,000 and then work your way up from there. I think any money that you have saved, any money that you can put aside, whether that's $5 a week, whatever you can start with, it all helps and it really does count over time. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to have like so much stress that you have to put all your money into the emergency fund. It's like step by step, you know, every week or every month you add a bit of money. And at the beginning, obviously, as the emergency fund is low, you can add more money. But as the emergency fund is more is bigger, then you don't have to contribute as much over time. And like we said, it's just emergency fund. So it's only in case of emergency. We personally touch wood haven't had to use ours any time really, but you know, it can happen. So it's just in case of emergency. And one thing that you can do, obviously, because this is liquid and you're not really like investing it, is putting it in like a high interest savings account. Yeah, that's right. And we do have some links below in the show notes. We've created a video about the best high interest savings accounts. So you can check out that video if you'd like to learn more. And I would also say that to get started, it is good to maybe even save small amounts. Like we have our small change portfolio that we just told you about. Maybe you could join along as well and do a bit of a challenge. See if there's anything that you have lying around at home that you're not using that you could sell to start building your emergency fund or building your investment portfolio or whatever you would like to do with that money. Yeah, very cool. What's the next point, Queen? Getting a pay rise. So as we know, and as Pablo has said, inflation nowadays is really, really high somewhere between 5 to 8% per year, which is a lot. Usually it's only around 2% per year. So essentially, if you haven't gotten a pay rise of from 5 to 8% last year, you're hustling backwards. You're essentially losing money because our money isn't worth as much as it used to be and our money doesn't buy as much as it used to. So I think it's really important to ask for a pay rise. And I know that not every business is in a position to give everybody a 5 to 8% pay rise, but there's no harm in asking, right? No, 100%. And do you have any tips or stories on how you asked for a pay rise in the past, Queenie? Yeah, I do. So asking for a pay rise definitely did not come naturally to me at first. It is really awkward and uncomfortable. And especially at the time when I was younger, I was working for a lot of small businesses. So it is really hard to ask a small business owner to give you a pay rise. I, I totally get it. But I think that there's a good way to do it. And what I did is 
whenever I would get prepared for a meeting with my boss to bring up maybe potentially getting a pay rise or a promotion, what I would do is prepare for the meeting months in advance. So a couple of months before I want to have that discussion, I would talk to my boss and I would say, hey, is there anything that you would like help with? Is there anything that I can do above and beyond my job responsibilities? Because I would ideally like to get a pay rise this year. So I'm just wondering, is there any value that I can add? So if we have this conversation in a couple of months, would there be anything that would make it a bit more likely for me to get that pay rise? And my boss would come back to me and say, yeah, you know, we really need help with X, Y, Z, you know, and maybe in a couple of months, we'd be in a position to have that conversation. So at least you're kind of prepping them beforehand. It's not just like a, hey, give me a 10% pay rise right now, you know? So I find that that's uh, quite a good way to do it. And then by the time that couple of months rolls around, because time passes quicker than you expect, you know that you've already had that conversation with your boss. And if you've done all of those things on the list, like there's really no reason they can say no. Unless, of course, I guess the business may not be in a position to do it. That's the only reason. But yeah, most of the time it's really worked for me and I think it's a good way to do it. Yeah, I think like communicating, you know, not just like arriving with like that's how much you expect, but bring it over time so that, you know, your boss or your manager, you know, every single week they are reminded or they remember that, oh, yeah, that person really wants or needs or deserves a raise, right? And then, you know, it goes in their head. So by the time you really ask or that it's the time to ask, then they're prepared mentally that you're going to ask and you're going to get it. Let's say you're doing all the right things in your job. You're asking for pay rises. You're going above and beyond your job responsibilities and you're working really efficiently, but the business just maybe isn't in a position to give you a pay rise or to give you the promotion or the salary that you're after. The next point that you can look at is switching to a high paying job. And there are these really, really interesting stats around this. There's this thing called the loyalty tax and they have these stats, which are that new employees are paid on average 7% more than existing employees doing the same job, which is just crazy to me. New employees getting paid 7% more than loyal employees that have been working those jobs for maybe plenty more years. It's actually crazy. And there's also this other even more wild stat. Employees who switch jobs more frequently earned 50% more over their lifetimes than people who stayed in the same job for long periods of time. So this really compounds over time. Like we talked about compound interest before. Not getting a pay rise also compounds over time. Maybe it's only 7% more in one year, but that really compounds over time. So I think it's really important to keep this in mind if you haven't gotten a pay rise for more than a couple of years. Maybe it's time to look for a better offer. Yeah, for sure. You know, you want to obviously uh, be loyal and, you know, do the right things. But, you know, if you keep asking and they can't do it, then maybe it's time to look somewhere else. And it's fair for everyone. Exactly, exactly. By the way, if you are enjoying this podcast so far, make sure you give us a five-star rating and follow for more. Yeah, follow for more. And you can also keep track of our small change portfolio and also come along the journey and start this portfolio with us. We'd love to see you start with like small and then at the end of the year, potentially have like a thousand, two thousand, maybe five, ten thousand in this portfolio. Yeah, I'm so excited to see where this goes. So the next point starting a side hustle. Yeah, I think, you know, it's good to ask, you know, raise, pay rise and change job and things like that. But 
there is no better way to make money than creating your own ecosystem and make your own money. Yeah, I love it. And do you have any potential side hustles that people can start? Well, the way we started was freelancing. You know, we had skills in digital marketing, creating websites, and that's how we started making extra money on the side, you know, after work, going on Upwork or Fiverr and applying our skills, finding clients directly there and getting like a website built for them and then getting paid for the exact work that we were doing. So that was really good. I agree completely. And any other side hustles that you would recommend or maybe yeah. some ideas? I think selling like products, you know, that you can make. Like we had this friend, they made a t-shirt and design for t-shirt and selling those on Etsy. Obviously, it really depends on the people's skills. I think the most important thing is understanding all the skills that you have that other people don't have or will need and then offering those as a service to make money. I love that. Couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, like that's where it took us, you know, our side hustle as making YouTube videos, you know, with an iPhone and a small microphone now takes us here in this podcast room with hundreds, thousands of listeners. So that's really amazing. It is amazing. And we have our first full-time person, Jillian, which is so exciting. We have an office now and it's all thanks to all of you listening. So thank you so much. Part of what has turned this side hustle into a real business was you listening to the ad break. So we're just going to have a quick ad break. Hope you don't mind. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, we're back from the ad break. What's the next point, Pablo? Selling things on Marketplace and Gumtree. You are the master of doing this. So can you give people some tips on what they could sell and also how to actually successfully sell things? First is good photos and telling a stories of what you sell, you know, because on Gumtree and Marketplace, many people sell stuff, but you don't know why they're selling it for, especially like high value items. And if you tell a story about the item and why you're selling it, it feels more as a buyer, you'll be, oh, that's the reason why they're selling it, because maybe they're buying some, they've bought something new or they're not using it. Or if you tell a story, just simple, like, few lines of words about your the product that you are selling for the drone for example i was saying oh i've bought this couple of years ago it's in good condition but i no longer use it you know that's the story i told and then that's how i got so many inquiries about it so always have a story you know don't say that you know it's this product is not good and that's why i'm selling you know you need to tell a good story so that people can trust you and then they're gonna reach out and then also the second thing taking good photos, you know, you want to have a couple of photos so that people don't ask you extra photos, measurement if it's like a furniture, make it as easy as possible for them to want to buy the product. And then after that, the last thing is replying quickly and, you know, like being the first to answer because probably on Marketplace, I know that people, they're going to message like five, 10 people and they're not going to reply to you if you don't reply within like a couple of hours, if not like less than an hour. So try to answer quickly. 
and with those free tips, you can sell almost anything. Also, one more thing actually I just thought is that if you don't receive any inquiries, then reduce the price. Really good point. I agree with the telling a story is really, really important because sometimes you look at this stuff and you're like, it looks good. Why are they selling it? Like, is there something wrong with it? Like, why? You know, but if you can tell the story of why you're actually selling it, then it just makes more sense. And people are like, oh, okay, that's why they're selling it. That makes sense. It's not like there's something wrong with it. Exactly. You know, because on Gumtree, you can find anything and you want to make sure that, you know, you're saying something legit. And that's how to look it at least legit. Look at least legit. What do you mean? If you sell like a mattress from the street, that's how to be legit. (laughs) Uh, That's how to make yourself look. Uh, Pablo, you're supposed to be legit. Just be genuine. Uh, Exactly, just be genuine. But, you know, some people will just take photos and then put it there. You can just make a good story from the real story and then sell your product and then get more inquiries that way. Exactly. Just be genuine, you know, and there's this really crazy stat, which I just wanted to bring up here. Most people actually have one to two phones lying around at home, unused, worth around $279. And this study was done from OPPO, which is actually wild. So that's one item that you could potentially sell on Facebook Marketplace that could save you some money. Yeah, I think iPhones like or any phone, you know, can be really... Uh good product the only thing is lots of scammers are going to message you when you sell those because i don't know somehow it's like phones are easy to resell obviously one thing there are like websites that you can sell your phone it's a bit you get a bit less money for that but at least you are sure to get your money and another thing is that i think cash converter is also a place you can get slightly more than those websites and still sell your phone for like a decent price it's good really really good and oppo as well yeah, exactly. So if you trade in your phone for a newer phone from Oppo, they will give you up to $750 off their flagship model. And that's any phone. It can be an iPhone, doesn't have to be an Oppo phone. So really, really cool. Nice. What's the next point, Queenie? Renting things out. So I think that when people think, I'm going to rent something out, you might think a room or a property. But you can actually rent things like your car power tools, a parking spot, a room in your place. Honestly, the possibilities are endless. We used to rent a giant Jenga. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but you know, that's just to give you an idea of like the different range of things that you can rent out and make some money from. Yeah. And even the parking spot, you know, when we moved to our first apartment together, we used to have a parking and it was like there, we did not really use it because we did not have much stuff at the time. You know, some people, they just have a garage and they just store stuff that's not even useful. So we had it empty. So we just put it on like a website park end or something and got someone to pay us $50 a week to stay there or use, not stay there, (laughs) but use it and store the item that they're probably not even using that much. That they could probably sell on Facebook Marketplace for some money, right? Yeah. If they were listening to the podcast, they will not actually rent that room. Exactly, exactly. So the next point, buying quality items. And I think this is one of my favorite points because I used to be somebody that bought really cheap quality clothes. I would just shop the sales sections, buy really hideous clothes that were very cheap. I would only wear them a couple of times. But what I realized is actually pretty wild. Let's say you buy a jacket for $50, but you only wear it five times. That means that the cost per wear for that jacket would be $10 per wear. 
But let's say, for example, you buy a $200 jacket that you really, really love. You wear it all the time. You end up wearing it 100 times. Then the cost per wear would only be $2. So that just shows you that sometimes spending more money on a quality item that you just love and you wear again and again and again can actually save you money over the long term. I mean, obviously, it is important to do the maths with this because some items are really expensive and you never wear. And some items can be cheap and still good quality. But I think it's just important to calculate the cost per wear before you buy something or at least arrange and think, you know, am I going to use it? Does it seem like good quality? Before you make a decision because price isn't everything. Think about the cost per wear. Yeah, cost per wear is a good thing to calculate before you buy something, obviously, because you want to make sure that you're going to use it like more than, you know, one or two times. You want to see like, okay, one year from now, six months from now, am I still going to wear this or use this? It's like coming back to actually using the garage because if you have something that you don't use, you end up in the garage and then you end up spending more money to rent out a space that you, for stuff that you don't use. If you buy something but you have to keep on replacing it every single year because it's not very good quality, well, maybe it's worth more to spend more money up front but then actually you'd save money in the long term. Yeah. And that's how you fight inflation, right? That's how to fight inflation, Connie. Really like it. And any other ways to fight inflation? Yes. Yeah, so food. Everybody's got to eat. So one way that you can really fight inflation is reducing your food costs. And what are some tips to reduce your food costs, Pablo? I think, you know, shop on sale, obviously. You want to make sure that the item that you buy on sale is not going to expire the next day unless you're going to make it the same day, obviously. But you want to, you know, try to look at the price of the food, not just like go to the supermarket and get anything that looks good. You want to maybe plan ahead. If you go like with a whole week of food that you're going to cook, then you can say, okay, I buy like a bag of onion instead of one separate onion. And you buy like things that can be used in multiple recipes. That's a, a way to, to save money. Do you have any other, Kuni? Yeah, I would say... Eating vegetarian for a couple of nights per week, if you're not vegetarian, it can actually save you quite a lot of money because meat is really expensive. And I think it's also quite healthy because you're obviously getting in more vitamins and, you know, vegetables are healthy. So try that and potentially buying produce in season. Because something that we've noticed is that some things that you buy from like fruits and veggies, they seem really cheap until you actually look at the price and you're like, I can't believe this lettuce costs $9 per kilo. Whereas like a cauliflower, we were looking, it costed like $4 per kilo, which is actually wild to me because if you don't look at the prices of things, you know, you wouldn't notice these things. So I would say buying your produce when it's in season because maybe we're not in the lettuce season. Maybe we're in the cauliflower season. That's why they're so cheap. So before you make a recipe, before you put stuff on your list, just have a look around, see what's actually affordable and what you can get more of. Yeah, for sure. And you can also like shop at multiple supermarkets, you know, because some supermarkets will have better price on certain products, so you can see what you can buy each place. You don't want to spend like hours and half a day doing all, all your shopping, but if you can like bulk it into like two hours or something like that and then buy all the things for the, the week, that can be a good way to, to save money. And also one thing we noticed was like buying into the international food section. Because the spices was actually cheaper in the international food section than in the spices aisle. Yeah, it's actually pretty crazy. And 
Another thing, using the loyalty rewards cards, all of those apps and things like that, it can save you money. You know, it may not save you a lot of money straight away, but over time, it actually adds up to quite a lot of money. I'd say maybe you'd save a few hundred dollars per year at least. Yeah, and those cards usually they don't make you spend more than you would. It's literally just you scan it at the end and then you get rewards points. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And the last point, saving on tax. And what are some ways that people can save on their taxes, Pablo? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, when we were talking with our tax accountant is being organized and keeping track of all your receipts. So that's a really good thing because come like end of the financial year and you are like, oh, I bought this and that and that's all your memory. But your brand is not powerful enough, I feel like, to remember every single purchase that you have made in 12 months related to tax. So that's why every single time that you buy something related to uh, business use or work, you need to find a system. Either is it like a spreadsheet or a Google Drive folder or a folder on your phone or wherever that is. Find the right system to store all of those receipts. And so at the time of tax time, instead of having to just remember it, you'll be done because everything is ready for you with all these receipts. Very good point. Something that I like to do is I'll actually email myself the receipt. So let's say I buy something, I'll snap a photo of the receipt and then I'll use that photo as an attachment in an email that I send to myself. So I can just simply search through my email inbox for all of my receipts to make it easy for yourself. Keep your receipts. Yeah, and I think one book that was really interesting to read was Second Brain or Building a Second Brain. And that tells about, you know, the use of all this new system. Back in the days, you know, you used to remember your parents' phone number. And, you know, you used to have, like, to remember so many things. But nowadays, you have all this system. Like, I don't know, we use Notion, Asana, Google Calendar to remember events. And all those are actually your second brain to remember things. So that's very useful. Very true, very true. And if you would like any more free tax tips or hacks, we've created a free tax guide in collaboration with our accountants and you can download it in the show notes below. Nice. Oh, one more point, I would say. If you have more than one income stream or if you have multiple assets, I think it may be time for you to look into getting an accountant yourself because accountants can actually save you quite a lot of money on tax and their advice is honestly definitely worth the money we found. So yeah, potentially something to look into. But definitely not worth it if you have a very simple tax return and you have one income stream, you know, maybe it's not worth it. But yeah, if you have more than one income stream and a few different assets, that's when I think it becomes worth it. Yeah, something definitely to consider. But at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, how much you value your time. And if you want to spend like, I don't know, five, 10 hours doing your tax return rather than maybe getting someone that you'll pay like $150 or whatever that is to do your tax return. And it's the same thing with the receipts, you know. It can take you like a minute to take a snapshot, send a photo and organize it into a file. Or it can take you like maybe half a day to find all of your receipts and you'll probably miss like 50% of them in the pile because you lost them. Yeah, very, very true. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate each and every one of you. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate us five stars and follow along the podcast to see how our spare change portfolio grows. See you. Bye. Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 